1: My question is in regards to the podcast that you had in early April, the topic of the question you're answering was suicide. And I was wondering your opinion on this is the trauma people may experience in life that leads to suicide, perhaps more trauma to the soul than it is to the brain. I know I've struggled with suicide a few different times in my life over the years. And the only way I got through those times was by leaning into God and by being out in nature. Looking back for me, I believe it was damaging to the soul, but that's just me. I don't know. Hopefully diving into this question may help a listener out there somewhere. Back on the podcast, this is episode 92. 92. And you've done like 80 of them. <laughs> Special <laughs> guest. Do you have big plans for number 100? 100. I was just thinking about that yesterday. Actually, I don't know what what it would be, but I think we should do something. It should, like it should be. A, are
2: you able to get more people around the table now that you've got this good full round table? Maybe like we, we should get do multiple,
1: like, like you and Amber and Bernie and Parker. Oh, yeah, and do like a, the all star cast. Let's do it. That's a great idea. Number one hundred. Number one hundred. I'm in. Okay. All right, Chad Warren, guest back on the podcast today. We are answering your questions. Email GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com and we'll answer whatever you have, like a campfire setting, uh, Montana, Chad's from Montana, so we'll do it like a Montana campfire setting. Yeah. And you are, what's the process on your
2: podcast? Uh, so we've got kind of all the stuff set up. We're going to start to record some. Uh, we're going to have you and kind of have some other people come in, record things, get, get it all squared away, get the editing figured out and you know, cause we're brand new to this world, but yeah, we're going to, hopefully I could see us launching in August okay. or September. So okay. early fall. So stay tuned. And what this is, this is
1: going to be, Chad is going to start his own podcast and it is going to be the next level from this podcast. So this, if this is like answer your questions at a campfire setting, then his podcast is going to be, all right, let's get deep. Mm-hmm. Let, let's get deep. yes. Yeah. And um, not that we don't get deep on this podcast, but this is going to be
2: biblically based, scriptural based. So read a scripture and let's get deep about that scripture. Yep. Yeah. In a similar format. I mean, we're going to, it's going to be you and I we will take a passage of scripture, we'll read it. And then how would we, I mean, how do we normally, when you and I get together, mm-hmm. it's what are we reading and what is the Lord showing us? Yeah. And we talk about how that starts to trickle into all aspects of life, and how does it help us be better husbands, fathers, uh, and friends. And no preparation, right? No prep. Yeah, besides picking the Scripture, obviously. Yeah.
1: I mean, the idea is that
2: you would be able to—I mean, it's really for if you want to go deeper in your own walk with the Lord and just hear some people talk about the Word and um, how to just approach the Scripture, that's one level. If you don't Mm. know anything about the Bible and you've never even opened it, And you thought, you know what, I at least should know what it talks about. This would be a good opportunity for you to hear two people who believe it's true and Mm. uh, talk about it and read it and try to understand it. And, uh, yeah, and if you want some midweek encouragement, then this is a good one for you on your way to work. Um, Yeah, if you're at work and you need, you just want to hear a couple of guys talk about the word. Or gals, we might have some gals on the, the podcast too. So. And
1: we'll stay, we'll we'll keep that all that up to date on when that's launching and details behind that. But yeah, that's really cool. Um, today, I wanted to start with the, these questions. I want to kind of, I, I found a couple light ones, so I want to start with. Where's the super light one I saw? Oh, man, I didn't see. Well, I will start with the one called softball question. It says, "Hey, Granger." And friend of the day. Friend of the day. (laughs) Insert typical (laughs) comment of, I'm a huge fan, love your music, love your podcast and your apparel. And the Smiths. Thank you so much. It says, now that touring is back, I just have the question. Do you ever get tired of smiling for pictures or does your face start to hurt? I got married in October with your music playing, of course, and my face hurts so bad from smiling after so many pictures at my wedding. I love what you do for the community. Thank you. That is Kelsey from North Texas. Let me comment first that I did the same thing at my wedding. I remember be, my face hurting, so
2: I, I don't think it takes um, being in the entertainment business to. But you've got all these muscles in your face, and so you're working them out. And yeah. maybe you do a wedding, you know, and and it's 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 a one-off experience, and you're kind of. It starts to freeze in place, mm-hmm. and you wonder if it looks fake because it, it feels fake. But you're still you're smiling big, and you look back at those pictures and you go, "Man, they we looked happy." But for <laughs> you, like like a weightlifter, like you're lifting those those muscles get work, don't they? I mean, I, he's got a good point because I don't know what I, like just walk us through what would it look like to to be on your hip pocket for the day of a concert.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: yeah, you've kind of done that a little
1: bit with me, but um, the the meet and greet is by far the most grueling part of my day. It's also the most fulfilling part. Mm. That's where I'll, I'll, I will meet about 150 people, and I try to kind of slow down and have a get some engagement with every one of them. So that is. That is the part that sometimes you got to be, if a guy comes in and he's like, you got to kind of get up. And then sometimes someone's like, I got to tell you something about my grandpa. And then you kind of got to get down with them. And you just kind of ride that emotional roller coaster. So that takes its toll, but it's also the most fulfilling. And I can't imagine skipping that. I actually did during the pandemic when we played a few shows, there was no meet and greets. And my day was pretty meaningless. Hmm. And Chris, my tour manager and I, we, we quickly noticed that although we thought we would be excited with less work of no meet and greets, it made the show just kind of bland because you don't have that connection mm-hmm. with the people. So, um, yeah, maybe the
2: muscles do get. <laughs> well, and well, I imagine, but you're, you're a happy guy. Yeah, like, well, you're, yeah. You're a joyful guy. And so I can imagine, and even getting to be there with you a little bit at a recent show, you, you love to interact with people. And so, yeah, to some degree, it's probably natural and you just get excited when people are excited and you're like, yeah, but you probably have like cheekbone muscles that are, uh, Uh,
1: yeah, I, I thought that was a hilarious question because I've thought about that and people ask me that and I don't really have a true answer. I don't know if you could uh, get
2: cheek muscles that you could work them out or not, but, uh, but your smile always seems genuine. So that's good. I'm glad you say that. Thank you,
1: Kelsey. <laughs> um, so th- I'm going to kick it over to you, Chad. We're going to do some. We're going to do some um, reading the subjects and you picking. We okay. have a man of the house. We have a I'm in a predicament. We have Navy or baby. I like the rhyme in that Ooh. one. Struggling with sin, and then we have a Mr. Smith, and I know that Mr. Smith
2: is a lighthearted one. Okay, we'll go man of the house and then struggling with sin. Okay. And we'll see what happens. Okay, man of the house says,
1: Dear Granger, just wanted to start off and say that ever since my my wife introduced me to your music when we were dating, you and your family and your brothers and everything that EG stands for, it's been a huge blessing and inspiration. Thank you, buddy. Um, it says, I love how your faith in Christ um, is something that we could see as you lead your family as the head of your house. And it inspired me to be that for my wife and son. I'm 28 years old in the Air Force. I'm I'm an Air Force veteran, and my wife and son and I recently moved back to Texas from being stationed in California. One of the ideas that we have when we're in the process of moving was to live with my in-laws because— they had the space, and we liked the idea of not having to pay rent for a little bit when we got settled back in Texas. Fast forward nine months, and we're still living with them. And for me, being independent most of my adult life and being in the military, I started to feel real resentment to my towards my in-laws and the fact that we're still living with them for what was supposed to be just a couple of months. So how do I, as the man of my family, lead my wife and son spiritually while not feeling like I am in constant pissing contest with my father-in-law, who's the leader of his house, which we reside in. I know this is just a season of my life where my faith is being tested because of the fact that I'm living with my in-laws, but I'm just really struggling with my anger towards them and feeling my, like my wife sometimes doesn't want to move out. Or when, or when will this all be over? Thank you for your time, Justin.
2: This is one of those where... It's unfortunate that's an email and like he's not actually Mm -hmm. sitting here around the campfire. I have so many questions and want to dig deeper. Yeah, and so you just have to. I mean, he was very thorough though and Mm -hmm. included a lot of detail, which I think is cool. And at first, my first impression is that he he seems to be very aware of himself. Yep, and his own kind of internal frustrations and wrestlings and areas where, yes, he is frustrated, he's angry, but he also realizes the situation. He seems pretty self-aware that, yeah, this is his father-in-law's domain and Mm -hmm. his father-in-law is the head of his own home and he is kind of in submission to that authority. And rightly so, that would be a, there's a shelf life on that for sure. That would be a frustrating situation after a while. Sounds like he needs to go on vacation. Yeah, <laughs> He needs to get yeah. out of the house it's and go somewhere,
1: to, go on a trip. Yeah, that's true. Justin, um, you're you're very validated in, in all of this that you're saying, and like Chad said, it sounds like you've been thinking a lot about it. You have some good thoughts about it, and we. This is not the first time we've seen emails from people that are living with in laws and having problems. It seems to be a problem, reoccurring problem, because it's a it's a it's a nice sounding solution to a young couple, a young married couple that goes, well, we're trying to get our feet on the ground and, and get something settled or move, or maybe we're building a house or we're in the process of going between leases. And I always see these problems arise with in-laws. I've never lived with in-laws, though. Have you? No, no. So I can't, and,
2: I can't totally relate. And I think, um, as I, as a student of, kind of the the east and the west being somebody who obviously grew up in the west and what i mean like western civilization western culture but you study eastern cultures and uh you notice there's a difference in the west especially in the united states of independence a priority on independence Mm -hmm. and launching and and kind of being your uh, on your own whereas you look at other cultures in the Middle East uh, and throughout Asia, they're very family centric. And so, living with s- both sets of parents, this idea that you, everyone's under the same roof, they tend to do it. I mean, that that works for them, but it's so mm-hmm. not American. It seems it'd be more common, right? Very, yeah, a yeah. lot more common in those circumstances, but it is not common here. And so, we definitely struggle with it more. And And I'm, yeah, I'm, there aren't a lot of patterns to look at or examples to to look at where, where maybe it's so it's, yeah, so it's just let's not just common... walk
1: through it, Chad. Let's walk through it. Um, from a biblical standpoint and then from a, from a friend standpoint, if we were given this advice around a campfire. So you have to put, it seems to me you have to put a deadline on these type of things, a hard deadline and you have to be, in agreement with your wife. But in the scenario, it feels like, um, the father-in-law would be the man of the house. I mean, it's his house. Mm-hmm. So he's, he is just you are you're right in thinking that he is technically the man of the house, no matter how you look at it, no matter what perspective. Now you are, you are, how do I say this on the podcast? Um, I suddenly got this flash of people getting pissed at me when I say you're the leader of your wife, but, um, you are the, your wife, let me, okay, let me flip it. Your wife is, should be more loyal to you than her father Mm -hmm. because you're married. We'll Mm -hmm. say it that way. That way I don't have to say any kind of weird dominance thing, but what I meant to say is she should be more loyal to you Mm -hmm. than her father. And that happened when you got married. Um, but it puts a weird twist on it because you're living uh, under his roof. So and you understand that because you're an Air Force vet, you kind of see this. You know about hierarchy and you know about mm-hmm. the, the way this, this works. And so um, I, I believe that your relationship with them and your anger, all that will be restored when you move out. Right. Uh, I would think I so. I don't think there's
2: going to be much long lasting pain, but you got to leave before that would p- potentially yeah, happen. Cause yeah, you want to leave before it spoils. Yeah. And I would imagine too, I don't know what the relationship is like with the father-in-law, but need to have open communication with him. If you guys were to talk man to man about kind of boundaries, expectations, there may be a sense in which the in-laws are frustrated that, they're still there, too. I don't know. But they may be wondering, hey, when, what's their game plan? When's When they when are they launching? When are they leaving? How long is this going to last? Or maybe they're like, we love it. Our whole family's together. Yeah. I, I don't know. But I think that, you know, to initiate a conversation with my father-in-law about expectations yeah. and constantly kind of revisiting that conversation and checking in, I think would help alleviate tensions as long as there's more and more Communication. Yeah, that's, a,
1: that's a great point. So as an air force vet, treat him like your commanding officer and you're going into the commanding officer and say, sir, I'm going to, um, I'm going to give you a couple of deadlines and these are my thoughts. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. I, I think that we should, for various reasons, look at an apartment, one bedroom apartment. And, um, I, I want to make sure our relationship stays strong and just built. And man, that's going to cost a lot of money to do that, but I think it's worth it.
2: Mm hmm. It's yeah. worth
1: it. And you, you were in California, so moving to Texas is already gonna be way cheaper than that. But um, I think you say let's see, when did this email this email came in April. So I'm not sure what has happened, but I was probably say, like,
2: dude, I couldn't last another week. Yeah, I've been out of there so. for
1: months. Maybe so. But uh, <laughs> man, you gotta if this was happening in real time, I would say you're in like a thirty day notice yeah, type thing there's right the now. a shelf life. Yeah. Awesome. Appreciate you, Justin. Let's go, to, um, let's go to this one," it says Mister Smith. "In light of your history degree, do you ever consider being? Did you ever consider being a history teacher? Would you have been the quintessential history teacher and football coach?" <laughs> um, Professor funny, Smith, funny question. Ooh, that's kind of um, has a good ring. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do love history, and i I could I could see um, teaching history. I could, yeah. Um, music stole my heart before any of that could happen. I think I probably would have been in the military before I did that, or maybe both. Maybe it would have been military, come back home, settle down, history teacher at the high school. Um, and then football. I love I love the idea of coaching football. So there's a lot of things that I would have done. I don't believe in anything that would have been because it didn't happen. So mm-hmm. it just didn't. Um, but what about you? Is there anything that... Is there a path? Is it, it's a young boy that you would have taken outside of the
2: ministry? Yes. Yeah, so I wanted to go into the military. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go into special warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, my older brother uh, served in the Navy for quite a while, and he really turned me on to uh, the special warfare community and r- kind of helped me picture the, you know, the, the warrior lifestyle. So I thought I was going to do that. Uh, Up until freshman year of college, I was in an ROTC program and just ready to go. And then the Lord intervened and uh, and rerouted me. So definitely wanted to head that direction. So
1: we're similar in that aspect.
2: Yeah. 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 So I'm going to
1: kick it back to you, Chad. Struggling with sin, Navy or baby. Did you already say struggling with sin?
2: Yeah, let's jump into that. Let's do it. It says, Hey,
1: Granger... I will remain anonymous. I've been battling with lust and sin. And I hope that Pastor Chad is there when you see this, Hmm. because I've been battling with lust and sin and wondering what is the best way to stop or deal with it. I'm a strong Christian and I know it's wrong, but I keep doing it. I feel like God won't forgive me anymore because I've done it again and again and again. How do I deal with this? Sorry for the long question. So we'll keep him anonymous. It is is a male
2: theologically theologically we know that he will forgive you yeah uh yeah. Th- that's that's the easy question that's the easy yep. part of the question yep and the idea of here's something that i i learned and i didn't learn it till later in my christian walk um but this idea of paul says and paul is an apostle uh, one of the early church leaders he wrote a letter to a group of believers in an area called Colossae. So the book of Colossians is in the New Testament. And it's interesting because he he loves to use analogies. And so he says, In the same way that you received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him, rooted and built up. And as I chewed on that verse for quite a while, realized that this idea of so I am going to walk in Christ in the same way that I received Jesus and we receive Christ and two things happen. There is a acknowledgement of who we are and who Christ is. And in that acknowledgement, when we become aware and our eyes are opened to this reality, we see ourself and our sin hmm. and we see him and his perfection and so we, we look at the sin and we say, that's sin. And we see it for what it is. And then we turn from it and trust Him by faith. So faith and repentance are the two key ingredients. When I first receive Christ, those things are present. And what Paul is telling us is, therefore, in the same way you receive Christ Jesus, by faith and repentance, so walk in Him, rooted and built up. So whatever sin struggle you have, One of the things we recognize is once we are in Christ, we don't therefore act righteously or behave in a Christ-like way in order to maintain our salvation or even to earn more of God's love. But it's a response of faith and repentance every day that when we see sin bubble up in our lives, we go, whoa, I know now that's sin, and I need to turn from it to Christ. A lot of times... I mean, I remember struggling as a young man with with various temptations and sin. And even today, I can get caught up in dwelling on the sin itself and going, man, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. But as I think and dwell on not doing the sin, I'm still dwelling on the sin. And I'm not dwelling on Christ. So right, man. Um, Anonymous
1: emailer, I'll say. Your question, it might be the oldest question that mankind has ever had. It's very common. You are you're not alone. Um, you are asking one of the top five most common questions that any man uh, has said: I, "I'm not. I'm not suited up. I'm not suitable for God." And so, is he going to forgive me? Hmm. The, the crazy thing about Christianity is it really happens in the opposite way. It's the only one of the major religions that happens in the opposite way. Most most people, almost I think, every religion other than Christianity is clean yourself up and then go present yourself to God.
2: Christianity is go to God and he will clean you up. And it's even, it starts with, you need to realize how unclean you really are. Oh yeah. And you start with this. It's that. Wow. Me and and Chad sitting here
1: behind this microphone. We're, we're buddy in God's eyes. We're not any better than you. Mm. We're all, we're all wretched. And, uh, and inherently, we're we're sinners, and so th- th- what you're doing. Here's here's what I could. Here's what Chad said. Let me say what Chad said. Instead of trying to quit doing something, instead of trying to move backwards and stop, instead move forwards towards God, and don't worry about stopping because He's going to stop it for you. And it, it's a crazy thing if you are aligned with him and so how do you be aligned with him well it starts with the bible it starts with it starts with praying and reading and praying part of your prayer is that that when you read you'll understand and that it will those words will matter to you the way that they should they're inspired divine words and you want to pray god i'm about to open this book and and i got all this sin going on. And I know, I know it's not good, but I can't stop it. And God's thinking, I know you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to be able to. That's the crazy thing that most people miss. You can't unless you have him, then he could stop it for you. How does he stop it? Does he send lightning bolts? Not really. He could, but he starts controlling your want to. Mm -hmm. He starts making you think, I don't really want to do that. This, this lustful thing that I've been doing, that I'm addicted to doing. And then the more and more I read the Word, the more I pray, the more I listen to Him, the, the less I want to do it. So it's not about trying to quit. and that's, that's hard. To quit something is hard.
2: It's more about, I just don't care anymore. And what you're describing is there is one affection that begins to drive out another affection, right? One desire gets driven out by another desire. Cause I mean, we all have temptations. We have appetites and hunger for sin without Christ. And when Christ comes into our life, we see something that's, that's better, Hmm. but we don't always have that in clear view. We don't always see Christ for who he is, and how much better he is and the life that he offers and how better, much better it is. And so as we pursue him and seek him, what you're describing is it, that we start to push out that that desire and, and our appetite and our desire for Christ pushes out our desire for these other things that are just far less. They're fake. They're empty. They can't actually fulfill. They're very temporary and unusually they actually take away what we want rather than fulfill what we want. They actually make a greater deficit in the desire that we have. And so it doesn't fulfill. Um, and so it's interesting that you talk about that consumer And you and I, our friendship started over a conversation around fasting. Mm-hmm. And you think that that's one of the rare biblical kind of practices that is is not really talked about a lot. I mean, it's gaining popularity now in like health circles and fitness right. or for intermittent, inter- intermittent fasting, fasting yeah. and people are seeing the benefits. But it, before it was seen as a, a health benefit, it's always been a biblical concept that God assumed his people would do because it was a gift to them. That you're in fasting, you're, you're, desire, you're, you're stoking the fires of one hunger, which is for God, and and allowing that hunger to drive out other things. And uh, one of my mentors, uh, an older pastor, early in my time as a pastor, he encouraged me to take on regular fasting. And I'm not talking about social media fasting. I'm, not, I'm talking about fasting from food because one of the base desires we have is food. And so if we can keep that hunger at bay, we see great success in other hungers. And your own story about fasting and the way that that played a role in your, your life as a musician, on the road, touring, and what it's done, I think is a sweet story you need to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, Chad and I have talked about fasting together
1: mm-hmm. is, a, is a big deal to have that accountability. So to this emailer. Fasting is actually a good idea. I don't know how old he is. I don't want to recommend it if he's twelve years old, thirteen years old. I hope I don't think he is. Um, but yeah, that, that I think here's your here's here's your deal. Tonight, you just pray. You just say, God, I mess up. I mess up every day, and I can't I can't seem to stop it. This fleshly desire, this worldly desire, I just fall right back into this pattern. And I've tried and I can't take it from me. You take it. You take it. And I'm going to lean into you. And when I feel this way, I'm going to say this prayer again. And then I'm going to open up a Bible. And I'm going to start somewhere in the gospel. And I know that people say this is crazy and the Bible can't be read and it's weird. And it's it's It doesn't even make any sense. But I'm going to find me a, a good one. And I'm going to start right here at John 1. I'm going to start reading it. And, and, and then I'm if I don't understand it, I'm going to say, God, I don't understand this. Help me understand it and lean into him. Start, stop thinking about going back and cleaning up yourself. You can't. Mm-hmm. Lean into him and keep throwing that prayer up
2: there. Also some practical things. I talk with young guys, and this is stuff that I put in place um, when I was younger and uh, wrestling with similar stuff. And that is, you first of all have to identify what are the conditions around which that temptation comes Uh, What's the what's the trigger? What is it something you see? Is it something on your social media? Is it uh, watching a certain show? Is it when you see certain uh, people? But identify what's that trigger point and try to cut off that source. Try to be mindful before that temptation comes. How can you set yourself up to avoid that or to stop that, uh, you know, from coming in into play? Also, have somebody that you can talk openly about this stuff with, uh, we, the, the deep lie that we believe is that I can't share this with anybody. Cause if I did, everyone would stop being my friend, um, mm-hmm. or they wouldn't yeah. want to be around me. Yeah. And the enemy wins when we keep it in the dark. But when we expose this kind of dark sin into the light, it stops having power and it's the, the teeth are taken out of it when yeah. it starts to be exposed. And so find somebody you can kind of be openly able to confess this to and talk with and that they're going to hold you accountable. Uh, and not somebody that's just going to go, hey, I understand, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, but somebody's going to go, hey, okay, what's your plan? How, how are we going to yeah. work through this? And Even if it's just me and Chad. Yep,
1: that's right. Email back. And, and we'll wrap it up with fasting because fasting, everything we've said, this is, fasting is a good practice. For all this, because one of the many benefits of it, spiritual fasting, is every time you feel hungry, you say, God, it reminds you, you go, God, I, I hunger for you. You alone fulfill me. You alone satisfy me. You alone make me feel whole. And and then your stomach growls and you feel it again and you get to practice it all over again. And it, fasting, when you're fasting with food, it represents anything else that the world makes you crave Mm -hmm. and it could represent anything. It could represent the lust that you're talking about, or it could be alcohol. It could be anything that you need. And then you, you fast with food because it's so easy to do. I mean, it's not, it's not easy. It's so common because you Mm -hmm. eat every day. (laughs) So it's, it's just, it's like clockwork. You just, you start missing a couple meals and your, your body screams at you and goes, what are you doing? Feed me. You always feed me. Now you're Mm -hmm. not feeding me. And that's speaking as if it's any other kind of addiction Mm -hmm. of the world. And you go, no. Your brain, you use your mind, and your mind calms you and goes, no. God, you alone satisfy me. Mm -hmm. Now, now don't don't get stupid with this and go for 40 days
2: or anything, guys. Yeah, I would start (laughs) slow. I would start slow. And (laughs) what I recommend is uh, when I talk about fasting with new believers or people just starting out is take – Uh, If you're a breakfast eater, just take that first day and instead of breakfast, go find a place where it's quiet and you can be without distraction and uh, either throw some some headphones in and listen to some worship music or spend some time praying, asking the Lord for help. But instead of eating, take the time you would normally eat to be with the Lord, Mm. read the scriptures, worship Him. And then if you've done it over one meal and next time you want to try doing it for breakfast, and lunch, and so on and so forth. Start building that, that muscle memory around fasting, because there's nothing that God has provided us quite like fasting that fosters humility better
1: than that. Good stuff. We'll take a break. Be right back. Podcast is brought to you guys today in part by Uncommon Goods. Uncommon Goods is, honestly, you, you just got to check it out. It's an online shop filled with unique totally unexpected gifts and when i say unexpected i mean truly original things that you won't find anywhere else and i've found all kinds of crazy homemade unique the the thing about about this is if you're looking for a gift for say somebody's birthday or you know christmas coming up later on this year and you there's somebody that you think has everything, you want to go to Uncommon Goods because that's a place that you could find something unique that they can't find anywhere else, that they can't say, oh, I, I found that on Amazon or, or, or whatever. This is, this is the place to go. It has uncommon experiences. Choose from live online classes and mixology, cooking, flower arranging, embroidery, handpicked artists and experts. It also has goods like products that are high quality, unique, often handmade, made in the U S They don't sell these products uh, with leather and fur and stuff like that. So feathers, you don't have to worry about that. If you're in, if you're not into that stuff, you don't have to worry about it with every purchase you make on uncommon goods. They give back $1 to a nonprofit partner of your choice. They've donated more than $2 million to date. So to get fifteen percent off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com/granger. That's uncommongoods.com/granger for fifteen percent off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. Podcast is also brought to you guys by Athletic Greens. This is a a company that sells a um, a green food supplement. Powder. That's the best way I could describe it. I use it every single day. I started using it on this podcast when I was advertising it. I ran out of the sample that they sent me. And then I went onto their website and used my discount code and bought my own. Now I'm on a subscription service that comes to my door every month. And I'm telling you guys, this stuff is awesome. I've tried just about every product that's a competitor of theirs on the market. I've gone to every vitamin shop or or whatever and got it, and I usually put it in my protein shake in the morning after a workout or on the road when I'm on tour. I can't get any greens when I'm on tour, so that just doesn't make any sense. So I've got this little case of athletic greens. Y'all, it works out perfectly. This is this is something that you could take with so many stressors in life, and you will still want to maintain an a effective nutritional habit. To give our bodies the nutrients that it needs to thrive with busy schedules and poor sleep and exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough enough of the right foods like me. This is where Athletic Greens can help you guys. Their daily, all in one superfood powder is your nutritional essential. It's by far the easiest, most delicious nutritional habit you could add to your health routine today and empower you to take ownership of your health. One tasty scoop of athletic greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a Multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. They all work together to fill the nutritional gap in your diet, increase your energy, focus, aid with digestion, supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take a whole bunch of crazy pills or, different products like that. So they they these they are a really awesome company and right now Athletic Greens is doubling down su- supporting your immune system and giving my audience a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you visit my link today you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D again, guys. So whether you're looking for peak performance or just better health, covering your bases with ath- with Athletic Greens makes investing in your energy, immunity and gut health each day simple, tasty and efficient. Visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and join me and all these other health experts and athletes and people that are health conscience to make a daily commitment to your health. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash Granger and get your free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. I'm going to kick it back to you. Yep. Navy or baby. Bible question, finding friends, brain or soul. I'm in a predicament and no subject.
2: Man. we Well, we already kind of spoke to an Air Force Mm -hmm. question. Mm -hmm. We definitely got into the Bible a little Mm -hmm. bit. What's no subject? That's kind of one of the, what's behind door number five. (laughs) It says, I'm a 12-year-old boy who hunts ducks, goose hunts,
1: archery, deer hunts, squirrel hunts, rabbit hunts. I also make and sell duck calls, ride four-wheelers, love bass fishing, woodworking, taxidermy, and make most of the stuff that I want, I make. However, I'm kind of lost now after my grandpa, who got Hmm. me into hunting, passed away a couple weeks ago. Hmm. I really just have no idea what to do now, and I kind of feel like I don't have much else to try and... I feel like everything I do, I just get mad at myself and every day I don't do anything productive. And one thing my grandpa would say is don't let school get in the way of your education. (laughs) I was wondering if you think I should focus on my business or do just to do kids stuff. And if you want to see some of the stuff I've done, you can check out my Instagram pages, dirty water game calls. So didn't say his name. 12 years old 12 years old
2: yeah oh man yep.
1: his uh, his email is albino goose and so I'm pretty sure that's not his name hmm. um, it's a grand lost to grandpa that is this is another one of these very common it doesn't hey guys it doesn't make it easier that it's common mm-hmm. it's just his losing that th- this is something that most everyone will go through is losing to grandpa and like I said, doesn't make it any easier. It's still it's still devastating, especially to a twelve year old boy who learned all of this stuff, this outdoor stuff, from his grandpa. Um, and, and then, first thing I'll say is, you're you're lucky, you're blessed that you had a grandpa that was able to get you outdoors and mm-hmm. teach you all these these great things. Um, and the the price that you're paying now, this grief that you're you're dealing with now is the price of how much you loved them it's it's correlated how much how much you grieve is correlated with how much you loved so the more you love the more you're going to grieve and certainly you don't want to lose out on the love so you'll
2: you'll take the grief yeah and it's it's understandable that you know it kind of feels like a gut punch and you don't really feel like doing anything and you can feel lost especially when you you lose somebody that's had such a big impact on you. And it's right to miss them. It's right to mourn they're, that they're gone. And I can imagine it's hard when you go and engage in those activities and you're outdoors doing things that your grandpa taught you and you knew that he loved That it. it hurts, too, because you think about him and that he's not there. Yeah. Um, eventually, it won't always feel like that. Yep. It's not always going to feel like that. Uh, it, it You are going to be able to return to doing the things that you enjoyed with your grandpa. And so don't lose sight of the fact that, you know, those are things that you get to enjoy again and, and may still enjoy. But first of all, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to mourn. And there's no set time that, that it's right or wrong to do that. Um, you take the time that you need. Um, yeah. The couple weeks thing that's, You're, you're just in the the heat of it right now. Um,
1: so there's no, there's nothing you saying that you've been unproductive. It's totally fine and totally understandable. Um, it's, and then it's gonna, it's gonna get hot again. It's going to get hard again in the fall, you know, when this, Mm. when it's, uh, duck season again, it's deer season again, it's going to get tough again for you. And then, every year will slowly start going by and you'll feel better about it and you will feel better about it. You won't, you won't move on from your grandpa. He's always going to be with you in your mind, but you're going to move forward and you're going to go on and you're going to take steps and you're going to get older and then you're going to
2: start applying what he taught you to other people around you. Yes. That's a great point that one of the ways that you can honor your grandpa and, Enjoy the things that you enjoyed with him is pass it along. Hmm. I don't think you're too young to start teaching somebody else, a buddy or or maybe a cousin or somebody that's younger than you. Just start teaching them what you've learned and yeah. pass that along and enjoy things with them. And when people say, where'd you learn that? Give them a big old
1: grin and say, my grandpa.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that, that's going to just feel so good in your heart because you just passed on something from him. And you, it, that's gonna that's gonna help you so much. And you're you're gonna be just fine, buddy. Um, I'm sorry for your loss, but you're 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 in a good place. Um, as far as should I focus on my business or do kid stuff? What if you're doing business as a kid? You're still doing kid stuff. So that makes you happy. If you enjoy making duck calls, that's not a business, not yet at least. So yeah, man. If you love making duck calls and doing that kind of thing, have fun with it. That's a good word. So, Bible question, finding friends, brain or soul. I'm in a predicament, Navy or baby? Navy or baby. That one keeps coming up. (laughs) Okay, here we go. It says, my name is Avery. I'm 33 from Southern California. First of all, thank you. I'm a loyal listener. I've listened to every single podcast. My heart genuinely feels full to it all. I'm trying my best to keep this short. I pull off my dream of the military ten years ago, post college. My dad had a severe stroke. I quit my job and moved to be with my parents. When things became more stable with my dad, I jumped back into work. Years have been going by, and my husband now, and through bo- and though both of us have been working and saving relentlessly, we f- we're feeling the financial response. Poss- excuse me, we're feeling the financial possibilities of having a baby. And we're feeling like that could be getting further and further away. Shifting gears a bit, when the pandemic hit, it struck a chord with me and I realized how much I needed to revive my military dream, even if it's just in the reserves. So I've been pursuing the Navy for a year now, but things keep happening. My dad, my husband lost his dad unexpectedly. I broke my foot, then tore some ligaments, training. And I'm just at a point where I'm trying to be real, realistic with myself. At what point do I let go knowing that as a female that we don't have all the time in the world to have a family? Do I wait and go back into the military? What do you guys think? Loved everybody. Avery.
0: Hmm.
1: So that last sentence says, did I wait too long to go Back to the military. So she's, did she say her age? 33.
0: 33 she did, yeah.
1: 33, um, they're feeling the financial possibilities of having a baby are getting further
2: away. I don't like that sentence. I don't know. I'm confused by it. But it sounds like maybe they're in a position now where they could be comfortable, like in their minds, comfortable at having a baby. hmm It says, years have been going by with
1: my husband now, and though both of us have been working and saving relentlessly, we're feeling the, the financial possibilities of having a baby are getting further away. It sounds like they oh, feel okay. like they don't have enough money right to start a family. And I just want to, I always want to rebuke that. Mm-hmm. Because that's just this there's this mentality, this modern mentality of like, Man, you gotta you gotta save a ton of money for kids. And honestly, daycare is what's causing that. We we've been we've we haven't ever had daycare in in for my kids. But when I talk to friends that have, it's like twelve hundred dollars a kid in some places. Yeah. So if you have two or three it's yeah. a big deal. So I think because diapers and formula, it's 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 not that much.
2: You know, well, I, mean, and I, I mean, think you're right to count the cost, right? You want to go, okay, are we in a position where this would be irresponsible and we can't make ends meet now as it is? But I also think like they don't sound like that couple though. No. I would say there is nothing more difficult and yet more rewarding than being a parent. It's... I remember, When I got married, that was the first step in realizing just how selfish I was. Like, when you start yeah. sharing life with somebody else yeah. and sharing everything with them, you realize real quickly just how self-centered you are. And, and you've got to wrestle with that and die to self a lot. And then we had our first child and true. It's born. And I'm like, if I don't intervene like constantly in his life, he's not going to live. So like my Mm. focus had to be about him and helping him and serving him. And so my wife and I, and so having kids is going to accentuate any issues you have in your relationship in your marriage. It doesn't solve. It doesn't fix. It's not, it's not, it's, you take that step if you think you're bold enough and brave enough to die to self and to live a life of self-sacrifice because that's what parenting really is all about.
1: Yeah. So she says, at what point do I let go as a female that we don't have all the time in the world to have a family? Uh, is she saying, at what point do I just say we're not going to have a family? And what at And let go
2: as a female— Knowing
1: that because her female, biological clock is ticking, bio, I guess so. Maybe? I think I think that's what she's saying. And at thirty three, she's not wrong. Um, especially if there's no plan right now, which means you're a couple years from having a baby if you started now. So, man, I, I'm going to lean. If, if you're just once again, this is a campfire conversation. It's me, Avery, Chad. I'm going to say you drop everything to have a baby. Yeah, I'm in that corner. I'm and, on team baby. And if, if the baby, if it doesn't happen, if you don't conceive, and you pass your biological clock, then you got the rest of your life to go and do what you wanted to do, what you thought you were going to do with this military, or adopt, or or foster, or yeah,
2: but absolutely, I'm so pro family and yeah, have kids and. The love that you and your husband have and share, expand the boundaries on that and and start bringing others into that through parenting. Yeah. I'm so all for it. That's that's my, you know, whether
1: you like it or not, it's that's my drop everything and put all the eggs in that basket. No pun intended. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So we're going to go back to, uh, you want me to pick one of these? Now? Yeah. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm in a predicament. Yeah. Hey, Granger, my name's Aaron. Let's see. No, I already did that one. I did that one. How about Brain or Soul? That's that's what mm. I wanted. Brain or Soul. I like that one. It says, I've loved your music for a few ne- few years now. I don't know. I didn't know you until recently that you had a podcast, and I absolutely love it. I've been watching episodes every day, sometimes two a day on YouTube every single night. I love the Around the Campfire feel. It feels uh, like sort of a fellowship for me and something I crave as a way to unwind after work each evening. Anyway, my question is in regards to the podcast that you had in early April, the topic of the question you're answering was suicide. And I was wondering your opinion on this is the trauma people may experience in life that leads to suicide, perhaps more trauma to the soul than it is to the brain. I know I've struggled with suicide a few different times in my life over the years. And the only way I got through those times was by leaning into God and by being out in nature. Looking back for me, I believe it was damaging to the soul, but that's just me. I don't know. Hopefully diving into this question may help a listener out there somewhere. P.S. Please do a show in Colorado sometime. Anthony.
2: So have you talked about suicide before? Yeah. On the podcast? Yeah.
1: I don't, I don't remember this episode that he was referring to, um, but I've dealt with suicide a lot. Oh, I should say a lot. I don't, I've dealt with suicide a fair amount, um, and it's typically military-related. I did a documentary um, in 2018, and it featured five fallen soldiers, and I walked 100 miles, 20 miles for each soldier, and featured who they were and their lives, and one of the, one of the guys that was lost was a suicide and so, through the through this research that we did for the documentary, um, we had to learn. In this this particular soldier, it was clear that he was he was damaged mentally.
2: Like his physical brain. His
1: physical brain was fine. Okay. He he saw and did things that did some kind of neurological damage. Okay. That's undetectable because he became a different person. He lived a different life, he reacted differently, talked differently. He was not the same person before the injury. That's something I learned that wow, this is actually you could see that not all injuries are visible in an mm-hmm. MRI. Mm-hmm. And when a guy comes back with without a leg from Afghanistan, you could instantly know, okay, this guy, you know, he, he served and he did this and this is his story. But when a guy comes back physically fine, you kind of tend to just put him back into society as if he doesn't need a, a, a ramp or a wheelchair or a mm-hmm. assistance in anything. You just give him a job and say go. And so, and then I've, I've seen that story repeat itself many times. That's why we have this, such a high number of Suicides that are military related. So the, the the question is a deep one: brain or soul? Is it is it? He said, "Is it more trauma to the soul than it is to the brain?" So, so what I'm going to say is, it's trauma to the brain, and I'm going to say that from a from a Christian perspective that that w- the Bible says, "Fear the one that could." that could destroy your soul, which is God. I don't think, I don't think we're capable of destroying our soul. You don't think we
2: can damage it? Well, because we, I think, biblically and philosophically, we are souls that have bodies. Our soul mm -hmm. animates our body. And I think that there is a connection between the two that is, there, is really so difficult it. to explain. That's it.
1: There's a connection between these two things. So the, the, Anthony might be, like this question, might be saying the same thing. Is suicide more trauma to the soul
2: than it is to the brain? There's a connection between yeah, the soul and the brain that's, that's you can't. And we, don't just, we just don't know the the extent of that connection and how that works. So, so back to me when I said you can't
1: see it on the MRI, maybe that maybe that's the damage to the soul because yeah. you can't see the soul. So maybe, maybe you're right. It, this is a soul issue, which is actually what Anthony's arguing
2: here. And then you get into the nuance between what's the difference between a spirit and a soul. What you I actually studied this stuff in undergrad. I was a philosophy major and I did my final, um, thesis paper on, um, yeah, philosophy of the mind and, all that kind of stuff. And there's just a lot of different opinions and approaches to what we can and can't understand. But I strongly believe in the metaphysical realm, like the soul and the spirit and, you know, those kind of things. And they're deeply connected to the physical. And I think they both influence each other and we just don't understand it. So I'm, I agree. I think it's, it's damage and it, and it has effect. Hmm. And there are some things that only God can heal. Yeah. Jesus says, "I will give you rest for your
1: souls." It's mm. interesting. So, so then you wonder is that the only recovery that a soul could have, a damaged soul could have is, is the only recovery to come to Christ. That's what he
2: says. Yes. It's <laughs> deep. This is deep. Chad. That's that's for the other podcast.
0: <laughs> oh yeah,
1: this is deep. I mean, uh, um, that's. Like, I'm interested in some. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, and see some comments on this. I'm sure we'll kind of see both sides. Um, the, what is the connection of the brain and the soul? There is a you could you could biblically make a lot of connections between the brain and the soul, but if you're damaged enough to be suicidal, which is usually Typically, suicide happens from a chain of events that have happened or seen or done. So, if you can't see it on a scan, if you can't see a, ch- a chunk of the brain missing, but there is a, I have seen it with my own eyes. There is damage to a person that happens from PTSD. Hmm. There's something you could you could do something. Oh, let me just put it in perspective. I just wrote a song, I just did this I worked with this company, this really cool um, disabled vet organization that brings in songwriters and writes songs with disabled vets as a healing process. You oh, tell their cool. story through the music. Yeah. It's called creative vets. It's, it's a really cool deal. So the, the one I did, I wrote with a marine a marine vet that was the father of a suicide victim. Hmm. His son, Chris, the one we wrote the story about, his his story is he was in Iraq, and it was I hear this so many times when I hear the suicide, military suicide, that you hear a story of a young man that's just full of life, like the the class clown in high school, um, very always outgoing and brave, mm-hmm. because those are usually the guys that end up on the front lines. Those are usually the personality traits that get you kicking indoors in urban Mm. warfare i could see that yeah you're not a desk guy if you're yo hey what's up life of the you know life of the room wherever you are you're the guy that gets on the in the you know in the humvee and you're out there you're the first one out the door Mm -hmm. first one kicking in the door you're the first one so that so anyway the story of this guy chris he's that kind of guy and one day they're um they're out on a convoy and they have to go into a building and in, in a rundown part of Iraq in the city, they kick open a door. There's a, there's an unknown Taliban guy in here, in this building. They're looking for him They kick in a door and they see him. There's the Taliban guys. They're in the room. They have their hands up. Um, these guys, they were Marines. They're off their guns on them and a little girl comes from between the Taliban and starts coming right at him. And they're screaming at her. Stop, stop, stop. She's like nine years old and she's coming at him without stopping. And he pulls the trigger, shoots her right between the eyes. Mm. She falls. He looks back at that same time and looks behind him. And there's a little doll on the ground behind Mm -hmm. him. She was coming to get the doll. And that killed him essentially he returned home. He reentered civilian lifestyle. He could not stop seeing that little girl. Mm-hmm. And w- usually when you hear these t- kind of stories of suicide, it's typically not something that you witnessed. It's something you did. Mm. That's the hardest thing from my understanding. The hardest, maybe that's the, the soul damaging thing is when you do it, you did it. The, the, I've heard there was the, the documentary we made, the guy ran over a child mm-hmm. on purpose because they were blocking the, the convoy and they, they were creating a threat, an unknown threat. And as we know, this little girl could have had a grenade in her pocket. Mm. The little girl could have, could have killed any one of the, the men that were with him. They know that. We've, we've known that since since the World War One. Mm. So is that how you damage your soul?
2: And I, yeah, I think that the only repair, the only restoration that can come for, for soul damage comes through Jesus Christ.
1: Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. Yeah. Yeah. Take my, my yoke and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, heart, and you will have rest for
2: your souls. Hmm. So, that's a good word. So, last time I was here, we got a question about you covering, like, a a gospel song. Did you get any (laughs) feedback on that? Yeah, I think a lot of people were like, (laughs) do
1: it, do
0: it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, do it. So, I have to go back. Um, you want to hit one more here and we'll let everybody get back to their, their evening or their morning or whenever they watch shout out to every shout out to the commuters and the over the road truckers and, um, the, what did that guy say? He'd like to unwind and listen to it in the evenings Mm -hmm. after work. Um, finding friends or Bible question your call, Chad, the pressure's on you. We'll jump into finding friends. Okay. Hello, Granger. My name is Tony. I'm 22. I'm from Surrey, UK. Love your podcast. It's really maybe changed the way I look at certain things and, and act. And I've seen se- sent several episodes to friends and family for them to watch in hopes that they would appreciate the show as much as I do. My question is, I'm pretty lonely at the moment, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't have a girlfriend. I've distanced myself from all my friends after realizing they weren't good company. I do know... I do not know how I can make friends with new people. The only time I go out is either with my family or by myself out in the country. So there really isn't a chance for me to meet new people. Any advice or any of your own personal experiences that could help me? Yee Yee for life, Tony from UK.
2: I mean, I just think growing up, I moved around a few times. And uh, as an adult, my family and I—we've moved uh, to different locations around the country. And for us, it happens around common interests. If we—if mm-hmm. uh, there's stuff that we like to do, uh, we tend to meet people when we go do stuff. Uh, you know, and this may be the obvious pastoral answer, but we also find deep friendships through church. And getting involved in, in a local church and doing things outside of church with those people that we attend church with or um, the people that are a part of the church that we're with. But yeah, and then when you start having kids, you start they start doing extracurricular things. And so when your kids are involved in something, you're standing there with other parents whose kids are also interested and involved in things. So mm-hmm. I, uh, friendship tends to happen around activities and uh, mutual interests. And so... That's where I would tend to go. Yeah, I agree. I
1: don't know where Surrey is, Surrey in the UK, or, or how big a town it is. But you say, any advice or your, or your own personal experience? Well, I am, I don't, know, I don't know if this is apparent or not, but I'm, I'm generally introverted when it comes to social events. Like I'm not, I've never been the guy that's like, where's the party tonight? Mm-hmm. It takes a lot to get me out. So you're kind of a homebody. I'm kind of a homebody. Yeah. And um, I, I would rather just, could we just cook something here? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and so my point being, if you're truly lonely, like you're saying, and you, you need it, you, you kind of crave that, that relationship, you're going to have to step out and be a little bit uncomfortable and go, you know what? I'm going to go to this soccer game. That's what we say here, Tony. We say soccer. <laughs> I'm going to go to this soccer game. By myself, you know, and, and it's going to, be that's going to be awkward and weird, mm-hmm. but the, the, the reward you can get out of that by mingling and finding some people and they're yelling for the same team and you go, where are you guys from? And they live down the road and so do I. And then you start this relationship and it might take a little effort. It might take, an, might take some, being some awkward. You might want to go to your local pub, you know, and, and order your favorite. I'm trying to think of some things here, Chad. I'm trying to think of some British <laughs> things here.
2: You're gonna order, uh, bangers so you're, and mash, you're, you're bangers right? and
1: mash, and fish and chips.
2: Yeah, you go to the, the Golden y- Chippy. Now that's in London, <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, the pub, the local <laughs> the, pub. Yeah,
1: get you some fish and chips, and um, and you got to just start conversations. It's tough for an introvert. It sounds like that's what you are. It's tough to just start a conversation with a. A perfect stranger, or to go somewhere by. Some people think going somewhere by themselves is humiliating. Mm-hmm. I I love it,
2: but I love going to eat by myself. And there's a way to go, and yes, it's it feels awkward to you. It may not be awkward to other people, but then there are ways you can make it creepy. So if you go to this soccer game, mm-hmm. don't be like all like in people's personal space or staring yeah. at them, and then lead with will you be my friend? Like, you don't want to be that guy either. Cause that's yeah. just creepy.
1: There, yeah, what we're skipping around here with Chad and I, what we're really thinking is go to church and become a member of a small group. You're going to have, if, if you have um, theological things in common, then friendships will, will blossom through that. So um, you're now hearing the first time in the podcast, the garage door going up. All right. This is the new, this is the new space. This is sweet, day It's The first, first time. Thank you, man. I like it. Bernie came in. The first thing Bernie said was, "Where's the blue? Where's the, the blue l- board? Yeah, the blue board. <laughs> That's so true. So, but it's appropriate that you're now the second, the second guest. Tony, I appreciate you, buddy. I hope you find your friends. Um, we all need connection, and this this past year, we've all learned more than ever. Humans are built for connection. We're built mm-hmm. to have friends and family, and and. In Okinawa, I think I've read the Okinawa has the, the, the most centurions, is that how you say it? People living over the age of 100 mm-hmm. more than any other uh, country. And the only thing we could really trace it to is they value family more than almost every other culture. There's babies living with old people and everybody in between in the same house and they all do things together and they all eat
2: meals together And it equals a longer life. We crave that. goes back to our first question, living with your in-laws. Maybe, I don't know, remember that guy's Uh, name. Well, you said
1: east, and it doesn't get any farther east than Okinawa. Yeah. They just view it differently in the east than they do in the west. In the west, it's all about independence and finding my own place and blazing my trail. They don't think that way. No. In most of the world. So, love you guys. We're out of time. If you want more Chad, well, I already know you do, so...